What's up, Rockbridge? My name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here at Rockbridge. And thanks for joining us from all six campuses and online. I have grown so much from this uh, series called Re. And it's just re-energized me, re got me to re, uh, be re-motivated, revived in my life, remaining in Him. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, we're going to uh, go into the teaching today, but I'm going to ask you a question first. Uh, think of all the things that you get out of the box that you have to refocus, that it's not really focused and you have to kind of realign it. Uh, if you will, in the comment section, put some of those things. Uh, I've got a few that I want to list. Uh, a camera, uh, if you just throw up a camera and take a shot, it, it'll be out of focus. You have to refocus that image. Uh, how about a the screens you're looking at or a TV screen? You usually don't do the default setting. You got to refocus uh, that TV to fit your preferences. I don't know what are you coming up with. Uh, a scope, and that's not a like a, a, a submarine scope. That's like a hunting scope. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And if you go to focus that in, you just don't come out of the box. You got to refocus that. A uh, microscope uh, in in school. You had a microscope, and you look first looked at the organism, and it's all out of focus. And you get it in focus, it just wow, just kind of blew your way. Uh, lenses. Uh, you have to get lenses, and they have to fit a prescription. They have to be refocused. Uh, in my life, in my early 20s, I had cataracts. Um, I was married uh, to my wife, Cheryl, and I started like driving and glares and words started to be blurry. And it didn't happen overnight. It just kind of was happens very slowly. And I went to the eye doctor one afternoon. And he came back in. He said, hey, uh, I'm shocked at this, but you have, you have cataracts. And I'm like, what? What's a cataract? And so the eye is naturally designed and you have a lens in your eye, and it's naturally designed to bend with when you look far off and bend when you, look, when you start re looking at something close. It's a miracle of the eyeball. It's absolutely a miracle. So they were going to go in and take those lenses out and put in permanent lenses. And so they did that, and it's an absolute miracle that they were able to do that, miracle of medicine. And here's what happened. Um, so my lens couldn't bend anymore. It had to stay centered. It didn't, it didn't flex. And so I had to wear a monotack. To this day, I wear a monotack, which is one contact in my left eye. And so my left eye reads and my right eye looks far off. And so um, when it first started, it was very hard to get it adjusted, to refocus my vision. I had headaches. But now it's, uh, it's, it's good. I got a little peripheral vision that I can't see like a normal, somebody normal with normal lenses in your, in your eye. Uh, that's why you see us uh, driving and my wife's usually driving me and I get out of the passenger side. Uh, so, you know, that's, that kind of answers that question. Like, why does she always drive? Uh, if you see that happening, that's because of my cataracts that I have. And I have lenses that do not flex and they do not move. Uh, so I want to use that to illustrate uh, when you are born, you are born with a natural lens, a spiritual lens, a lens to the heart, a lens to the soul, a spiritual lens that is out of focus. And what needs to happen is you need to exchange that, refocus and exchange that for a gospel lens that Jesus talks about in the New Testament. And I want to encourage you to do that. And what that's called is a worldview. 
And so have you ever wondered why you can sit beside somebody in church or you can sit beside somebody watching a service online or other people online are watching with you and you can look at the same exact thing, but you see to two totally different views on it. You see totally different things and how you perceive that is different. It's because of worldview. So your worldview helps you decide what to decide. It's very, very important. And I want to ask you to maybe consider refocusing your worldview. And what we've been through with a pandemic and uh, all the stuff that happened with a political election and racism and everything, it's, it's kind of bent uh, our view. It's bent our worldviews away from the Bible. And we need to re be refocused on God, what God wants us to focus on. Uh, you, you remember Forrest Gump, uh, the great theologian Forrest Gump? You remember him? He said, life is like a box of chocolates. So life is like whatever you fill in there is what your worldview is. And he said, life is like a box of chocolates. Uh, he saw life that you never knew what you was going to get. Uh, you, you didn't know what was going to happen there. And so his worldview was formed by his mother that told him life was like a box of chocolates. So a worldview definition, it's a view of life through which we perceive and experience reality. So it answers some questions in your life. So how you look at things can answer. Answer the question, am I loved? Am I loved? Everybody's asking this. And some people say, yes, I am. No, I'm not. And it has a lot to do with your worldview. Uh, another question is, why do I hurt? Why do I hurt? Another question is, does my life have meaning? And why can't we all just get along? And is there any hope for this world? So your worldview answers those questions. Uh, Paul Tripp, he's a modern-day theologian, and he says, I know when I was growing up, a lot of the views I was listening to, it was a worldview that was not helpful. The world even sold me a false idea of what the good life was, and I wish that people would have helped me to think better about how to interact with that worldview. So everybody has a worldview. Everybody, you're born with it. It's a default worldview, and you try to add to it and upgrade it, and it has all these different worldviews. That's why the person on the same row as you can look at a news broadcast and have a different perspective than you have, can look at the world and see a different thing than you see, especially in your spiritual life, especially when it comes to your soul. Why is that? Well, God created a perfect world, and he gave a perfect world view. And because sin entered the world, rebellion against God, ignoring God. See, God set up Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and it was perfect. It was absolutely incredible. And they saw the same way, and they walked the same direction. They had unity. They knew that they were loved. They got along. And then the enemy, Satan, came in, and God told them they can have eat of all the trees in the garden, just don't eat of this one tree. Satan came in and said, hey, the reason God told you that is because he doesn't want you to know what he knows. 
And let me just t- teach you something here. When Satan opens his mouth, it's a lie. How do you know if the enemy's lying to you? When it's contrary to what the Bible says, when Satan speaks, when the enemy speaks, it's, it's a lie. And so they believe that lie, and instead of serving a yes God, God is for you, God has a plan for you, God is yes, 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 eat of all the trees of the garden. Instead of serving that God, they went to one tree and they ate of the fruit of that tree. God told them not to, Satan convinced them to do it, and they failed. We now live in a broken world. That's why cancer's here. That's why COVID's here. That's why you lost your job. That's why sin enters the world. We live in a broken world. That's why hurricanes happen. That's why terrorism goes takes place is because we live in a broken world. See, Satan said eat, and the woman saw, focus, her, her, her vision. She saw that the tree was good for, uh, good for food and delightful to, to look at and that it was desirable for attaining wisdom, being like God, the wisdom of God. So she took some of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, were open. So Satan duped them. He tricked them. They then sinned against God, and it threw this world, threw their worldview off. And because everybody has a different worldview, that's why we all can't get along. That's why we don't know what the standard for love is. That's why we don't have an absolute truth, and that's why we're not walking in unity together. So an ism is what we try to upgrade our worldview. So your default, it's broken. Okay, now what I need to do is I need to have an ism and I need to upgrade uh, my worldview. And an ism is a way of thinking or study of. And so you've got several isms. Materialism, those with the most toys. You know, you win. You see life is like getting the most toys I can get, having the best time that I can have. There's individualism. Me first. It's a very selfish way to live. I don't care about anybody else. I'm looking out for myself. That's individualism. And then you have hedonism. If it feels good, do it. My heart told me to do that. It feels good. I'm going to try to accomplish that because it feels good to me. And pragmatism, whatever works for you, uh, that's not an ism that's going to upgrade. That we understand that doesn't work. And then we also have humanism. You are good, and everyone around you is good, and we collectively can do it without God. And we understood real quickly that that will not work. So we need to add God to the equation, which caused us to add religion, which religion is man's attempt to reach God, which has never worked for anybody throughout history. And by the way, God didn't, we don't reach to God. God reached to us through Jesus Christ. The answer to our problem, the answer to our sins is Jesus. He died for us and instead of us. And so you have Hinduism, uh, you have Judaism, you have uh, Buddhism. And so all these religions started and they realized that, okay, then we war against each other because I serve this God and you serve that God. We, we re- can't make it. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Just like the doctor went in and replaced my lens with a fixed lens, it doesn't flex. We need to refocus our worldview. We need to make sure that we're not flexing our worldview to fit the culture. 
We need to make sure that we're not flexing our worldview to fit some ism or some religion. We need to take the Word of God, the Bible, that doesn't change, that doesn't move, and we need to let it be our view. We need to strain everything that we see, everything that we experience through this book, through this book. And it will help us all understand and move forward and be in unity together and love each other if we strain things and see the world through a biblical worldview. So we need to refocus our biblical world view. So what is life like? Life is like connecting to life in Christ until we get home. It's connecting to life in Christ until we get home. So I would like to take a passage of scripture, just three or four verses here in the book of Philippians. Paul was the writer of Philippians. And he had an incredible experience and story to tell people about how he saw life. He saw life as somebody that adopted an ism. He adopted Judaism. And he was out and about killing Christians early in his life. He was, he was out like a terrorist. He was going out and persecuting and killing Christians. And then he encountered Jesus and saw a light on the road to Damascus that totally changed his life where he started looking and seeing through a biblical worldview and it changed the world. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. This is the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 18 through 20, we're going to see this incredible worldview that he talks about. He talks about a basic worldview and a biblical worldview. And C.S. Lewis states, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And so when Paul was saw the light, saw Jesus, and who all Jesus was in his glory, he then changed his life and said, hey, all these isms and all this religion, it's not any good. I'm not trying to prove myself right anymore. I'm trying to understand the world through the Bible. And he absolutely wrote God's word and it changed the world and it got people walking in the right direction. It didn't bring healing to the world like the book of Genesis back to Garden of Eden. That's coming later. But while we wait and while we walk, we're going to look through a biblical lens and a biblical worldview. So two worldviews that we see here in Philippians 3, 18 through 20. Number one, we naturally focus on a basic worldview. And that basic worldview is focused on happiness and earth is home. Happiness, temporal happiness, short-term happiness, and earth is home. Okay, you got that? And so as we read this verse, I want you to look at that in temporal happiness and earth is home. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. In other words, there are people that are outside of the faith. And I've told you this and I've told them that I've tried to tell them about Jesus I've tried to, to lead them to Christ but they did not come to Christ and their conduct shows that they're outside of the, of the faith they are headed for destruction their end is not good I see that now that I have a biblical 
worldview. Their God is their appetite. They're, they brag about shameful things, and they, also, and they only think about life here on earth. So it's about their happiness and about life here on earth. So it's very, very, very temporal. And George Barnett, I love this quote. We're going to get into a study he'd done in just a little bit. Americans typically draw from a broad treasury of moral, spiritual, and ethical sources of thought to concoct a uniquely personal brand of faith. So in a non-biblical worldview, in a natural worldview, not supernatural, but a natural worldview, your natural tendency is to focus on your happiness, make sure you're okay, uh, short term, and you focus on earth. This is these people we're doing. And it's almost like uh, an iGod. So if you've got an iPhone, you can take that iPhone out or you can take your Android out and you can look at the home screen. If you look at your row of those people right before you and, and sitting behind you and uh, uh, in front of you or you're at your computer desk watching, you can take out the, the phone and you can look at it. I guarantee you one thing, your home screen's not alike. The apps that you have on your iPhone or your Android, they're not alike. You can customize your phone to fit you. And that's what a natural, non-biblical worldview does. I will look at the world and I will frame the world. and I'll focus the world to fit what I like. My experiences, my biases, my background. And it's not biblical to do that. And so... You take the phone, and because of algorithms and what you use and don't use, it'll put stuff on there, and it's formed to you. So if you're going to have a refocus of a non-biblical worldview to a biblical worldview, you're going to have to realize and understand that, hey, I've got to, got, I've got to refocus and I've got to exchange what I think and what I feel and what I see. And I've got to let the lens of the Bible dictate what I think, what I see, and how I act in my conduct. So he says to these people, he says, um, and Augustine says, If you believe what you like in the gospel and you reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. But yourself. So that kind of goes back to the iPhone, the iGod. You're not creating an iGod. You're, you're, you're understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he goes on to say in, in uh, Philippians, uh, number two, the second worldview in these three verses, we need to supernaturally refocus on a biblical worldview, which is holiness and eternity is our home. Holiness set apart for something God wants to do and Eternity is our home. Heaven is our home. This is not our home. So he says, Paul writes, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Now this worldview answers some great questions. Who am I? I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a son. I'm, I'm, I'm God's son. Uh, it answers the question, where am I um, on earth, positioned in Christ? And then what am I to do? I'm to eagerly wait for him. 
This is not a passively waiting. It's an eagerly. Holiness. Doing what God wants me to do on this earth. When I see things, I react to that situation as a child of God, waiting for him to return, eagerly waiting on earth. I react to that situation as Jesus would act. I'm Christ-like in what I do in that situation. So those verses are incredible verses that answer that question. Who am I? Where am I? And what am I, what am I here to do? You're not here to get the most toys. Um, you're, not, you're not here to, this is just life and it ends in, in the grave fatalism. You, you're, who am I? You're not trying to prove your identity. You're a child of God if you've accepted Jesus as your, the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. You've got to understand that. So let me give you an illustration I think would illustrate this. So you've got a basic worldview that is earth is my home. You refocus to a biblical worldview where heaven is my home. So if we all went camping this weekend, which would be great, we would be great. So all six campuses, those watching online, you'd probably have to fly a long ways, come across the seas. We're going to go camping in some of Georgia's and Tennessee's most natural, beautiful campsites. We're just going to do that together. So if we go camping for one night, one night, so we all take tents and we go to set those tents up. Now, here's a picture of a tent and it's all, it's all glamped up. You know, that's the way some of you camp. And some of you camp, I mean, you got these big, tra big travel. I'm not talking about RV, uh, like ro a, a hotel on wheels. I'm talking about camping. I'm talking about getting out in nature and camping. If we did that, and we got there early, and we set our tents up, and all of a sudden we saw somebody roll in with a big old dually truck, 250, and they get out, and they have blueprints, and they roll that blueprints out on the, on the hood, and then you all of a sudden see big construction equipment coming in. They start digging a foundation, laying a foundation. We would go, man, what are you doing? What is, we, we're here to camp just one night. Oh, I'm, I, that's what I'm going to do too. But you, where's your tent? Oh, I'm going to build a house, not a tent. And I'm going to stay in that house. I ain't going to stay in a tent, which is probably pretty smart, but... Why would you leave a house, stay in a tent? But for sake of illustration, we're just camping. So we are believers following Jesus. This is not our home. So why do we act like it's our home? Why do we put down foundational roots in this world and build three-story houses in this world when we're just passing through? We need to be eagerly waiting on Christ. That is a completely different view than what the world would say how we need to look at things. So a biblical worldview, and you refocus that biblical worldview, it is completely, completely different. But there's a problem. The problem is most Christians do not have a biblical worldview. Most Christians don't have a biblical worldview. And so that guy that I talked about, his name was Barna, he did a survey of 10,000 believers. And he said, there's about six things that would constitute a biblical worldview, six beliefs that you need to have. He said, it's a belief in absolute moral truths as defined by scripture, as defined by scripture. It's right for all people, all places, all times. And so it's truth. Truth is truth. And it's right because scripture upholds it. It's absolute truth. You got to believe that. It's not situational truth. But absolute truth. Do you believe that? That's one of the, one of the 
beliefs. Number two, belief in the sinless nature of Jesus. That Jesus, because of our sin, we're born of the race of Adam and Eve. We're natural sinners. We have to exchange that sin and give it to Christ. Christ died for us and instead of us. And he died a sinless, he lived a sinless life and died for us to take that sin upon himself. So I have to have that belief in the sinless nature of Jesus Christ. I have to have belief in a little, ex little existence of Satan, that there is an enemy. There is an enemy called Satan. Uh, we have to understand and believe that's true because the Bible says it's true. Uh, number number four, believe that God is all-powerful and all-knowing, that he's large and in charge, uh, that belief that salvation is by grace alone. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a free gift of God. And belief, that, uh, belief in the personal responsibility to evangelize, that the way God has set up the church and the way the Bible says he set up the church and the way he gets his message to other people, the good news of the gospel is through me and through you. That I believe I have a responsibility to share my story and the gospel story and how their story can intersect and miracles can happen in their life. And just like Paul, they can have an encounter with Jesus and their life has changed forever. They believe they have personal responsibility in that. So the, here's the big problem. He did a survey of 10,000 people and found only one out of every 10 Christians have a biblical worldview. Only one in 10 Christians would affirm all of those biblical statements, all those biblical truths. And you're looking down your row or right now or looking at who's watching in the chat room, and you're like, well, it's not me, it's those other people. You know, you've got to be careful there. You've got to really examine yourself and see if you have a biblical worldview, that, that's why we need to refocus. And I think it's time, has, has your biblical worldview been knocked out of focus because of the pandemic? Has it been knocked out of focus because of politics? So I'm just asking you to refocus and realign. So we looked at a big problem. Most Christians do not have a biblical worldview. Let's look at the solution. The solution is Jesus. It's Jesus. So Jesus came and he came to, to buy my sin. He came to die for me. He came to pay my debt. And because of Jesus, the word, we have the word. We have God's word. He wrote a book and that book is here and, and we, we're able to read it. Barn, I think is a fascinating study. You can look it up online. It's a fascinating study. He asked that same 10,000 people. He said, hey, jot down your favorite memory verse, your favorite verse of scripture. And the one that was the most wrote down was um, God helps those who help themselves. All right, that's good. The only problem, that's not in the Bible. That's not a scripture verse. And so if we're going to have a biblical worldview, we have to get in the Bible. We have to read the Bible. And it's a story about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. All these books in this Bible point us to Jesus. And we have to refocus that worldview on Christ and who he is and what he's done for us. So how do we do that? How do we refocus our, your worldview? So Jesus in the New Testament gives us several verses that I believe can refocus our worldview. We constantly need to calibrate our focus around what Jesus says. Number one, assess your worldview. How do I see things? 
How do, I, how do I decide what to decide? How do I do that? The Bible says in John, in Luke eleven thirty four, your eye is the lamp of the body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. So your view is important. Uh, John 8, 12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So assess the worldview. God, is, am, I, am I being driven or do I make a decision based on other things besides your light? God, assess my worldview. Let me know if that's the case. And sometimes we have blind spots. Sometimes we have blind spots. And every person here has a blind spot in your life. And you can ask a good friend, you can ask your husband, or you can ask your wife, hey, do I see something, do I see something and act some way and have a conduct that's contrary to the Bible? Am I doing something? Am I, am I making a decision without going through the lens of the Bible first? Assess your worldview. Number two, uh, accept Christ as your Savior. Accept Christ as your Savior. John 16, 14, 6 says, Jesus told them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. So the reason I would like to ask you to, to accept Christ is maybe when you assess your worldview, hey, I, I went all in with a religion. I tried to upgrade instead of exchange my worldview. I want to exchange. I want to take my filth and my sin, and I want to give it to Jesus and then take Jesus and his forgiveness and his righteousness upon myself, upon myself. So accept Jesus. Number three, admit your need for obedience. Admit your need. God, I don't need more knowledge of this book to see and have the right worldview. I need to obey this book. The Bible says in John 14, 15, if you love me, if you love me, obey my commandments. Doesn't say if, if you love me, sing more songs, go to more church services. If you love me, obey my commandments. So go all in with Jesus. Push it in and, and say, God, I'm going to obey you every single day, all the time. And number four, apply God's word to your daily life. John 17, 17 says, make them holy, set apart for a purpose by your truth, by your word. Teach them your word, which is truth, which is truth. So take that truth and apply it. I love this quote. Apply yourself wholly to scriptures and apply the scriptures wholly to yourself. So it's about constantly daily, not just reading the word but using it as that lens for which you see life and applying what he says every single day to your life. So, have you upgraded or have you exchanged? So we have a basic worldview that we're born with and it's, it's formed and focused by the way we're raised, by experiences, by our biases, by things we encounter, are, are you refocusing and exchanging? Exchanging. 
hey, I realize that view's not, gonna, not got me where it needs to get me. And I, I want a biblical worldview. I want to exchange. I want a fixed lens that everything goes through. I don't want a lens that bends based on culture. I want your word to guide me, to lead me, to show me which way to go, to show me why things happen, to show me why the world's like it is, and to show me where I'm heading and heading, heading to heaven and heading home. I'm not going to put tent stakes down here. I'm not going to build a house on a camping trip. I'm going to have a biblical world view. So life is like connecting to life in Christ until we get home. So I know a lot of people are like, wow, all these isms and studies and worldview, I've never heard that. It's a great study if you would like to study it. But hey, I can sum it up for you. I read an illustration about a dad that went home and he worked real hard and uh, he went home, he's just wanting about 15 minutes rest. And he had a big family. And the five-year-old come running in there as soon as he got in his chair. And he jumped in his lap. He's like, oh, man, I just want not In his mind, he's like, I will play all night with this kid. But I just want 15 minutes rest. So he looked beside him. And there was a magazine. So he opened the magazine up. And he flipped through the pages. And there was a church that was an ornate stained glass windows church he ripped the page out and he ripped it up to about 25 pieces and he handed it to the son. He said, okay, son, you take that and you put it back together, put the church back together, and then men you'll, will play, men you'll play. So the son was gone. He thought, ah, now I've got some time to rest. And about three minutes later, the son came back with scotch tape all over him and the picture put back together. And it was put back together, I mean, there wasn't anything out of place. And the dad looked at his son and said, how in the world did you do that so quickly? And the boy said, on the back, there's a picture of a man. And I just followed the outline of the man. And when I did, the church came together. We need to refocus. If the church is out of whack and out of focus to you, if the world's out of focus to you, if your family's out of focus to you, Follow Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus Christ. And when you see Jesus the way you need to see Jesus, and you love Jesus the way you need to love Jesus, you'll be Christ-like. You'll be Christ-like. And you'll be amazed how everything starts to come into view when you refocus on Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to hang out and spend time together. And Lord, help us. Lord, empower us to exchange the way we see things for the way you see things. God, help us to have a biblical worldview. And Jesus, that's going to take us making some next steps. And Lord, maybe we need to have that time with God. Maybe we need to join a, a small group Maybe we need to follow through with baptism. God, this is what your word says. And so, Lord, help us, empower us to follow you, Jesus. You are the hero of this story, and you're the one that we want to see, and we can see you best through a biblical lens. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen.